Today we're looking at what I'm calling this message, the danger of anger, the danger of anger, and we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about this. Now, I, I want to just see by a show of hands, how many of you, you're in church, you cannot lie. I mean, you can, but then you go to hell immediately, so I'm kidding. How many struggle with anger? Just raise your hand if you struggle with anger. Okay, okay, okay. Now, how many of y'all, it, it comes in different forms, right? And it comes in different ways. It comes in different shapes and sizes. Y'all ever been on the phone like you had to call like a, a service manager or you had to call, you know, a company and they're like, press one for this and press two for this. And, and then it's like, due to the high call volume, your phone will now be placed in the order that it was received. And then like 37 minutes later, you finally get somebody. You ever had this happen? And the person who picks up doesn't even really speak good English and then they don't even help at all? Angry, 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 angry in that moment. How many of you have ever been at a stoplight, at a stoplight, and the light turns green and the people in front of you aren't going? Because by the way, green means go, but they don't, and you do a little, you do a little love, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all, that's not y'all though, like you're like a, <laughs> I don't know why a horn is so offensive. I, here's the deal, I can give it, I just can't take it. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I'll give the honks. Don't give the honks to me, though. <laughs> All right. Or maybe, maybe you're here and you've ever gone to a fast food restaurant or a drive-thru and you went and you picked it up and then you got home and it wasn't the right order. You ever had that moment? Or they left out the one. It's usually how it plays out. They gave everybody in the family what they needed. They just get, they forgot mine. <laughs> get mad, get upset. Here's the biggest one, though. I'm going to tell you the biggest one here. Driving down the highway, the interstate, I just want you all to, I'm going to teach you all something here. There's a left lane and a right lane. Listen to me very closely. The left lane, some of y'all have been out of driver's ed for a while. The left lane is for passing. You pass on the left, left lane. You don't drive 55 in the left lane. You, you get over if you want to drive and, because that honking's coming for you. Okay, I'm just letting you know. So the left lane is designed to go, to go, okay? Here's the issue. If you don't get over in the left lane, I'll pass you in the right. I have no fear, okay? I'll get you on the right side, whichever way. Let's, let's, let's all drive, all right? For those of us who drive a little bit beyond 70 with the grace zone, there's a grace zone there, we want to go. That's, that, that boils some things up inside of me. And I don't know, it all could be very different for some of us. Some of you can, you know, get mad over the, the littlest of things. But all of us, in some regards, deal with anger. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment, what if I got up here and said this? What if I got up here and said, for everybody in here that struggles with anger, you are liable to go to hell? Some of you would be like, ooh, you might need to get a different job. Here's the crazy part. That's literally what Jesus says. So imagine sitting in a sermon that Jesus says, and he says, hey, by the way, if you struggle with anger, you're liable to go to hell. I mean, just like that, everybody, I'm sure, got really quiet. <laughs> Let me show you in Matthew chapter 5, we're still in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21, Jesus says this. Let's look at what Jesus' words say, and uh, if you got your Bibles, open it up there. If you don't, you got your note cards there, please take some notes along with us. It says this, you have heard... Now, you're going to notice over the course of the next couple of messages that we're going to unpack that Jesus is going to unpack 10 uh, laws, 10 things that the Jewish people who would have been in that sermon, that were listening to the sermon, would have heard and understood. And he said, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not, what? 
murder. You shall not murder. Now, he's getting this, of course. Jesus is teaching from, anybody know where you get that? Where is you shall not murder? Ten Commandments. Okay, it's number six, by the way, in God's top ten list. It's number six. And so Jesus is just referring back to something that they would all know. Hey, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. That is true, all right? And whoever murders will be liable, what's this word? To what? You're going to be liable to judgment, okay? There's going to be severe judgment for you for those that murder. All of us in here would say, good, yes, and amen. Anybody who kills someone should face liable judgment of some form. But watch when he flips the script, because he's going, you've heard it said this, you know that, but let me take you to what it actually means. The Ten Commandments were not just a, a list of rules to obey, but there was something, there was a spirit of it that was bigger than just the commandments, because I say to you that everyone who is, here we go, is what? Angry, Angry with his brother will be liable to? Same word. Same word. Those who commit murder, liable to judgment. Those who are angry with your brother, liable to judgment. How many of you know he just took it to a whole different level? Because everybody was like, yeah, murderers. Ah, uh, that's me. Hold on. No, I don't know if I, if I feel as passionate about that one. And then he goes a, a whole nother step further and he says, and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool. This Greek word for this is literally moron. You moron. Will be liable to the hell of fire. I mean, no, he's caught everybody's attention at this moment. Because now Jesus just raised the stakes because everybody thought they were doing really good because I'm sure most people in there had never murdered anybody. But the moment he says, well, yeah, but if you've insulted your brother, you got an offense against your brother, or if you've ever called anybody a moron or stupid or whatever else, you also can go to hell too. And everybody's like... Uh-oh. And then he goes on and he begins to explain some of these things within this scripture. But uh, isn't it crazy that Jesus would equate murder and anger on the same level? Puts them at the same level. Because one is external and one is kind of an internal thing that God is going after through Jesus. And so I want to give us three ideas today. As we unpack this scripture, I want to give you three thoughts. The first thought is this. We need a perspective to change. A perspective to change. When we think about this, uh, we need to understand that God is wanting us to see anger a little bit differently than maybe how we're seeing it. So here's the question. I'm going to put up an image for you on the screen, and you tell me which one is angry. Ready? Put the image up for me. So immediately when we think of anger, we immediately think, of course, of Mr. Mr. Man over here that's yelling at the, I said number two, you know, like that, that type of guy that this is, if you were here a couple of weeks ago when we talked about our words and the importance of our words, we talked about this, this person we would call the spewer. This is the person that when they are mad, you know it. When they are mad, it's on their face. Facial expressions, veins pumping out. Like these, this person is letting you know their mind in the moment. How many of you in here, that's you? Let's be honest. Like you know, everybody knows. The neighbors know. Like everybody knows. This is you. This is what we would call rage out. Rage out. 
There's some of us in here that really struggle with this and we're very emotional or we're very, you know, expressive in what we do. And so the moment we have this emotion, it comes out. You see it. Here's the issue, though. Most people would attribute anger to this. The problem is what you see, what you don't see, is the person who's probably more frustrated is this one. Because if this one's rage out, this one is rage in. And Jesus would go after this and say, you say that do not murder is a big deal. And yes, that's a big deal. But I say that even if you've got issues, because listen, this girl's smiling, but she's smiling going, I hate you. You are disgusting. Get out of my face. I can't believe you. This is what we would call the stewer. This is what we talked about a couple weeks ago. We've got the spewer. We've got the stewer. This is the one that holds on to stuff for a long time, lets it pile, pile, pile up. Now, eventually, what ends up happening is after you pile for so long, you become a volcano. And then someone didn't put the dishes in right, and you're like, ah! and you're like, what happened? What you didn't know, that was two years. <laughs> two years of everything, just, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Then eventually, you get to a place that you're not okay. Now, here's the deal that we understand. Jesus is very, very committed to your spiritual walk, yes, to your spiritual journey, yes. But Jesus is just as committed to you emotionally as he is spiritually. And we all need to understand something, that how you are emotionally affects how you are relationally. How you are emotionally affects how you are relationally. Let me prove it to you. How many of you here have lashed out on people that you absolutely love? You've lashed out on them. You've said some things that maybe you regret, some things you did. How many of you, watch this, have ever had a bad day and you took it out on people who did not create the bad day? Why? Because how you are emotionally affects how you are relationally. Let me flip it. How you are relationally affects how you are emotionally. If your relationships aren't good, I can probably almost guarantee that your emotions aren't good. And so Jesus just isn't just only concerned about your spiritual life. Jesus is just as concerned about your emotional and relational life. Because if you can get your emotions right and your relationships right, you can get your spirit right. And your spirit, when it's right, can help you in your emotions and your relationships. It, it all plays out together. Now, here's the perspective change that Jesus is wanting us to understand is that, that you can be raging out, you can be raging in. Anger is anger, but here's what anger is at the end of the day. Anger is a warning light. That's what it is. You start feeling this thing boil up inside of you, maybe something that someone did, something some, somebody said, maybe something they didn't do. And, and you're feeling this anger war, start rising up inside of you. And it's like, it's literally like the dashboard of a car. And you've got this warning light that's going off inside of your car. Now, for those of you in here that drive a car, when that warning light comes on, you've got a couple of different responses that you can have. Okay? So you see that warning light and you can just ignore it. That's like for us who want to go and have a spirit of faith when it comes to our gaslight. So it's like we're going to believe and trust the Lord that if he can multiply the oil in the Old Testament, he can multiply gasoline in my vehicle. Only for so long. <laughs> you can ignore it all that you want. The other thing, though, is that when the morning light comes on, maybe you don't ignore it. Maybe you overreact. 
oh my God, the car, I just need to sell it. No, you just need to get gas. No, 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 I just need to get a new car. No, 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 you just need to replace the oil. And what ends up happening is when we experience anger, we can ignore it, we can overreact, or we can go address what actually is the issue and fix it. And so Jesus is coming after a thing that you and I struggle with, and that is the emotion of anger. And he's trying to give us a different perspective about anger, and he's saying, hey, listen, listen, I, I, I know you, you, you think not killing people is what makes you righteous. No, 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 you cannot kill people physically and still kill people emotionally and relationally and in your mind and in your heart. And Jesus is trying to get at something in their life because he wants them to understand when anger comes up, you have an opportunity to respond by the flesh or by the spirit. Now, let me give you two words that I think are often um, opposite, but we think that they're similar. There's a difference between reacting and responding. Reaction almost makes us feel like we have no control. You made me do this. It's just responding is realizing I have more control than I think. And so in response, Jesus is telling us when anger comes up, you've got an opportunity to respond based off of the spirit leading you in a way that will produce what he wants to produce. And one of the greatest opportunities to display your faith, you ready, is how do you respond when you're offended? Let me say that again. One of the greatest opportunities to display your faith your love for Jesus is how do you respond when you're offended? When anger is rising up inside of you, how do you respond to that? And here's the beauty. Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He says, let me tell you how you need to respond. He goes to verse 23. Follow with me in verse 23. He says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, and at the altar, you there, what's that word? You what? Come on, you remember that your brother has something against you, okay? Verse 24 tells us, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. All right, let me modernize this here. He's saying, if you come to church on a Sunday and you're in the middle of Zay leading you in worship, and you're like, you're my champion. And then all of a sudden, there's a reminder, but my wife hates me right now. <laughs> this is what he says. You need to leave. Put your hands down. Exit yourself out of the row. Go back home and make it right. Now, none of us usually do that, but this is actually how serious it is. He says, if you come to church and you're expecting there to be an exchange between me and you, but you're holding something in your hands, I can't give you anything because you're holding on to something. So you need to, you need to stop what you're doing, 
set aside your sacrifice and your gift and your tithe and go to that person and offload what that is, make that right, and then come back. You can catch the 1130 service. <laughs> you can catch the 1130 and then lift your hands and have a clean heart. And some of us are wondering why we don't have an open heaven. And it's not because of God. It's because of you. It's because of me. It's because of me. It's where we are. I know. I knew I'd get two claps. That's okay. All right. I, I understand. Because there's some people in here, you're already offended at me. So leave. No, I'm joking. <laughs> we'll talk after. All right. So Jesus is telling us in this. Because listen to me. There's, there can't be room in your heart for joy if your heart is filled with offense. There can't be room in your heart for peace if your heart is filled with hurt. So Jesus knows this enough. He says, listen, I know you think you're doing good because you're not murdering any people. The problem is, though, you've got some bitterness. You've got some, a root of offense. You've got some hurt. You've got some things in there that are just not right, and, and, and you need to leave, and you need to make this right. And if you're going to thrive in relationships, everybody listen to me. If you're going to thrive in relationships, you've got to get really, really good at the art of having tough conversations. Tough conversations. There's a skill to it. Hard conversations are not fun, but they're, they're, they're really, really important. Now, let me just give you insight into my world. Like, I grew up a lot of my, in, my, in my life, you know, pretty obedient externally in a lot of ways. Um, but inwardly... Um, had some major issues in my heart. And when it would come to like confrontation and conflict, like I ran from those things. In junior high and high school, even as I got into my young adult years, like when there were hard conversations, I would just run from it. Like I didn't want to have anything to do with conflict and hardships and, you know, all of that that comes. And then God calls me to be a pastor. Do you realize like probably over 50% of what I do as a pastor is conflict resolution? Like, it's only in the humor of God that he's like, you don't like conflict? I'm calling you to it. <laughs> now this will be your job. 100% of discipling people is usually revolved around conflict resolution. And I can tell you the majority of my week is helping our people either handle conflict with a husband and a wife, a conflict between a boss and employee, conflict that people are having with other church members, conflict that people are having with their children, this is what I do now is I've got to enter into the conflict. And can I tell you what I see as a pastor who counsels this every single week is we don't like conflict. And most of us would rather just run from it and not handle it and not deal with it. And here's why. Let me tell you why this is the case. Because we treat relationships like contractual. They're just, they're just transactional. We treat relationships transactionally, meaning this, the moment there's conflict, I'm done with you, I'll find somebody else. This is how people treat marriages, this is how people treat friendships, this is how people treat their church. I love the church, moment it hurts me, peace out. The moment that friend hurts me, I can go find 10 more. How many of you know, like, God has called us to have covenant relationships, to walk with people for a long call, and if you want to have unity, has anybody been married over longer than 10 days? Anybody, longer than 10 days? How many of y'all had to fight to stay unified? 
How many of y'all had to deal with some stuff? How many of y'all had to have some tough conversations? Yeah, of course, because in order to have a great relationship, you're going to have to have go into these with tough conversations. But we've got to do this right. There's a certain way to do it. So if you're going to do this right, so, well, Pastor Josh, how do I leave and go make this right? Here's number two. Ready? You not only have to have a perspective change, you've got to have a part to own. You've got to have a part to own. Well, Pastor Josh, what part do I own? Yours. Your part. Well, Pastor Josh, what if it's all their fault? See, here's the problem. Anger blinds you to the fact that you don't see your issues, only theirs. When you get angry, you're blind to yours. You see all of theirs, though. All of theirs. I can't tell you how many times I sit with counseling, especially marriage counseling, and that spouse comes in and goes, Pastor Josh, let me tell you what he is doing. And I'm always like, time out. Before you tell me all that he's doing, can you please explain to me what you're doing? Well, I'm not here to talk about me. Well, I am. Because what ends up happening is when we're so angry with people, we get blind to seeing what we have done in the relationship. And, and, and let me say it this way. Oftentimes and sometimes, not oftentimes, maybe you're not fully to blame. Maybe it is 95% them and only 5% you. But here's my question. Can you own the five? Can you go 100% on the 5%? Or can you only focus on the 95% of what they did or didn't do or what they said or didn't say? Can we go into it in our thing? Because here's how it plays out. We've got to resist the urge in moments of conflict to have constant conversations in our head. Here's how people, here's how the world handles conflict. Ready? We either talk it over in ourselves in our head and we play out our own scenarios constantly. Ready? Or number two, we talk to other people about it. And, and Christian people are the worst at this because we treat it as a prayer request. Hey, can y'all just be praying for me? Listen, um... Man, I'm just having some issues with such and such. They are so angry. Be praying for them right now. They're, we do. Hey, by the way, that's not a prayer request. That's gossip. And the Bible speaks a lot about that too. Or number three, okay, so we either have the conversation in our head and we create our own scenarios and we never talk it out because we just take it in, take it in, take it in, take it in. We talk to the wrong people. I'm not saying you can't talk to people, but you need to talk to people who are either part of the problem or the solution. Not to, we often talk to people because we want to get sides, not because we want to get solutions. Or number three, ready? Number three is we have to resist the urge to try to assume why they did what they did. And so what we do is we judge their actions, but we don't know their motives. I can't tell you how many times I've had conflict with people and different things and when they came and we finally sat down with it I'm like that's not even what I meant that's not even what and they held on to it for like a year you walked past me and didn't say hi what like, I really do I love you I'm sorry I'm, I'm, I missed you or how many of y'all had just had some things where you're like when you when you talked it out you realize oh my goodness it was totally different than what I thought and so Jesus is confronting us and saying, listen, 
I need to train you to not just assume the worst. I need to train you not to go talk to everybody else. I need to train you not to just keep it in your own head and you create your own narratives of everything and you've got your own conversation. No, no, I wanna, I wanna train you to go back and talk to the person. Boy, Pastor Josh, you're telling me that I am so furious with this person. You're telling me that I have to go talk to the person? Yes. Because that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you're in church and you got something and you know there's, a, there's an issue there, stop what you're doing, go have the conversation, go figure out what's going on, go own your part. And, and, and even if your part is a small part, here's the most powerful words that you can say in your small part is this, will you forgive me? Not will you forgive me, but, hey, will you forgive me? But listen, you are a piece of, okay, no, not that. But will you forgive me for? I can't tell you how many marriages have been destroyed, not because they fell out of love, but because they fell out of forgiveness. They stopped saying, I'm sorry. They stopped repenting. They stopped forgiving. They stopped extending grace. And honestly, they stopped talking. And the moment we stop talking is the moment that the relationships start going down. And so Jesus enters into this moment and he says, hey, we, you need to have the conversation. Now, I know immediately what you're going to say. Pastor Josh, I've had the conversation. Or what if I have the conversation and they're just irate? Ready? That may happen. Because sometimes when you obey Jesus, doesn't always mean that they're gonna make the right response. Watch this, obedience is your responsibility, their response is their own. I'm not responsible for their response, I'm responsible for mine. But many of us won't go have that because we're scared of what their response will be. It's gonna be what it'll be. I've gotta stand before God and I've gotta lay my head down at night knowing I've done all that I can on my end to make this relationship right. If they don't, how I many know it takes two to make a great relationship though? They've got to want it too. They've got to work for it too. And that's got to be, that's got to be, maybe I'll spend some time this week online I'll, unpacking this a little bit more because I think there's a way that we can go about this um, to define, because some of you will have to put boundaries and you may, someone who's hurt you, have to put a boundary and, and break relationship with them. We'll talk, we'll talk more about that. I don't have time for that. But I, I want you to see what Jesus says here because he goes into this in, in verse 25 and 26, he kind of switches gears here and he says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard you, and, and, and be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Like what in the world is going on? This is kind of weird because we were talking about murder, then we were talking about like offending each other, then we talked about being angry with our brother and now Jesus has given us legal advice. This is really weird. What is going on here? Let me tell you what I think he's trying to get at. Jesus is trying to say to us, to resolve conflict is costly, but to not resolve conflict is more costly. To resolve conflict, it's gonna cost you. It's gonna be hard. I mean, I know tough conversations can be difficult. It can be hard. They can get upset. They could get offended. It, the, the relationship could go south. But here's what I know. If you don't do it, it will go south. It will cost you. 
and it will often cost you even way more than you can imagine. This is huge in this. And so he gives this illustration of if you're going to court against someone. Now think about this. When you and I are going to court against someone, there's only one thing that's on your mind. Whether that's divorce court or law court or a criminal court, there's one thing on your mind. Winning. Winning. That's all you care about. Winning. Here's the issue. This is what Jesus is trying to get at. When all you care about is winning, you often lose. How many of y'all have ever won an argument and lost the relationship? Husbands, I'll talk to all the husbands in here. How many of y'all were right? You were right. Don't raise your hand. Don't even look at it right now. You're just me and you right now, okay? You were right. You know you were right. You said what was right. Maybe not how you said it was right, but you were right about the situation, and you pushed to let her know you were right, and you walked away from that conversation going, I am right, and then you got in bed that night, and you realized, but I lost. (laughs) You won and lost, because what ends up happening, and this happens, watch this, that's not just in marriages, that's in all relationships, that the moment that we just want to be right, but we don't want to make it right, is the moment we always lose. This is what has divided churches, this is what has killed businesses, this is what has killed friendships, is because I was right, I was right. Yeah, you were right, but now you're also a punk and you have no friend. True? Happy Father's Day, welcome to everybody here, glad you're... Like, dear God, what is wrong with this guy? It's Father's Day. That's why I encouraged y'all on the front end, because I knew this was coming on the back end. This is a challenge, though, to all of us in here, is that we've got to realize that this is such a big deal. Write this down. This one's the huge part. Ready? Your spiritual maturity is revealed not by how quickly you get offended, but how quickly you seek to resolve it. This is huge. This is huge. You can worship all you want in here. You can raise your hand all you want in here. You can amen the message all you want. You can take down three pages of notes all you want. None of that determines your spiritual maturity more than can you go resolve issues quickly. That reveals more about spiritual maturity than anything else. Why? Because that's when we live out the Bible, not just amen the Bible. And you and I become more like Jesus, not by the Bible we know, but by the Bible we live. And Jesus is telling this, hey, listen, when you've got issues with people, this is a big deal. You want to have a great relationship with me? Hey, I, he, notice he didn't even say this, how this even affects him. Because he just realizes, like, you've got to go fix this. You've got to make this right. You've got to go resolve this. Think about this, your children can get offended very easily because they're children, they're immature, they get their feelings hurt real easily. But the the sad thing is, as adults, we can act childish too. I'm so mad, they didn't respond to me, they left me out, they didn't do this. All the way to, of course, big grievances that we have. But the spiritual maturity to show that God really has done a deep work in your heart 
is the speed in which you can go make those relationships right. From the moment the offense and the hurt and the pain happens to the moment that you go to try to reconcile it reveals more about your spiritual maturity than anything else. But our culture says stuff it, deal with it, move on with it, cancel them. And Jesus the king introducing us to a new kingdom says, no, 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 that's not how we resolve issues. We don't resolve it that way. People want to know the secret behind our Savior's Church being a church that we've had for 22 years here in our community has been because I've fought for this. Having a unified church is not easy. It is the hardest thing that I have to do as a pastor is to keep our church as unified as possible. But here's what I know. If we can keep unity, the blessings of God stay on it. So that's why this is a big deal for me. Listen, if you come talk to me about any person in this church, first question I'm going to ask you is, have you talked to him? That's the first question. So some of you are like, I'm not calling him. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> is it right, my staff? My staff will all know this. They work so closely together. They got issues with each other. I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. No, no, no. We're going to go have the conversation with such a, oh, no, I'm good. No, 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 you ain't good. We're going to go have the talk. It's amazing how that stuff stops when you go have the talk. Y'all with me? Welcome to our Savior's Church. Yet again, we love you. We're glad that you're here. But hey, listen, life is too short for us to all be offended. Life is, listen, we should be the body of Christ where we love one another, not have to put up with one another. I sit on the left side because I know they're on the right side. We'll go sit on the right side and deal with it. Welcome to our Savior's Church. Glad that you're here. Number three, we're done here. All right, a path to pursue. So we need a perspective to change. We need to see anger the way that God really sees it as a big deal. We need to see that the people that are on the other side of our anger are children of God. They are made in the image of God. They, they, they should be loved, not hated. Uh, they, this should be our posture towards them. And then we need a part to own. Like, hey, this, this is an issue of whatever we got going on, but we need, to, we need to own whatever our part is that's within it. And you go, well, Pastor Josh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have a part in all of this. No, you do. Well, no, no, they did it. You don't know what they did to me. They, they molested me. They hurt me. They abandoned me. They rejected me. They did all this. I don't, I, what's my part in all this? Yeah, the part is, is that you stayed bitter. That's your part. You didn't forgive. That's your part. You talked about them to everybody else. That's your part. That's our part. Whatever that part may be, all of us have a part to play in all of it. Maybe you didn't cause it. Maybe you didn't create it. But, we, but, but how we responded to it wasn't right. I've got a part, I've got a play in this. And then I've got a path, I've got a path to pursue. What's the path that I'm trying to pursue? Ready? We're trying to pursue peace. How many of y'all just want some peace in your home? Peace in your job, peace in your neighborhood. Come on, peace in this church. Like, I wanna pursue the path of peace. And Romans 12 tells us that if possible, everybody say that, if possible. If possible, so far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all. If possible, which tells me sometimes it's not possible. But, but as much as it depends on me, I need to do everything within my power to try to live at peace with other people. But Pastor Josh, how do I do that? Well, if tough conversations are a part of it, let me tell you another part though. 
Look what Proverbs says. Proverbs 19, 11 says this, good sense makes one, what's those two words, three words? Slow to anger. Slow to anger. So all my short fuse people, this is your scripture memory verse for the week. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Okay, so here's the question. Pastor Josh, how do I know when I should overlook an offense, and how do I know when I should go have the tough conversation? Great question. Ready? Here's the answer. If you can overlook it, overlook it. Well, how do I know if I can overlook it? Y'all are coming up with some great questions. Thank y'all for these questions so much. How do I know if I can overlook it? If you keep thinking about it constantly and can't get it out of your mind, you aren't overlooking it. If you're talking about it to everybody and every conversation it kind of seems to come up, you haven't overlooked it. If it's been 20 years and you're still talking about the same issue, you did not overlook it. And if you can't overlook it, look it, go deal with it. But if you can overlook it, overlook it. Because it is actually to your glory that you can overlook an offense. And the number one determiner, I can tell, uh, doing as much premarital and marital counseling that I do, I can almost with 90% accuracy determine if a marriage is gonna be successful based off of one thing. Ready, you wanna know what the one thing is? Can they resolve conflict healthily? If they can't talk and communicate and resolve conflict, it's only a matter of time before that marriage is going to go. And Jesus knows this. That's why Jesus says the two are united and they become one flesh. Oh, but in order to stay one flesh, we're two selfish, sinful people at times. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to fight to keep this together. If you can get this, all of us in this room, no matter if you're married or not married, if you can understand Jesus' heart for you to not live with anger in your heart, and you can be a person led by the Spirit to go have tough conversations when you need to, and if you can be a person led by the Spirit and overlook offenses it will change your marriage, your family, your parenting, your business, your community, this church. It gonna change some things if we will be committed to fighting for relationships, not just fighting in relationships. But it's gonna take some humility on our end to do this. It's gonna take it. And Jesus says, hey, when you're angry, it's like murder. It's like murder. And murder requires a payment. There's judgment to it. But how am you glad that Jesus came and he took the payment for you and I? He came and he was our substitutionary atonement. He took that. He knew you and I would struggle with this, but he came and he took that on the cross. Jesus took our anger from our life. Jesus paid for the things that we should have paid for. Jesus did this. So, you need a perspective to change. 
a part to own, and a path to pursue. And I want to end today with um, encouragement and a challenge. So yet again, we don't become more like Jesus by the Bible we know. We become like Jesus by the Bible we live. So today's Father's Day. I have worked and discipled men for the last 20-something years. And one of the greatest pains that I have ever encountered in most men's life is father wounds. It's unfortunate, but not most men have, and women, have had the privilege of having maybe a godly father. I recognize in this room, there's some of you who have been incredibly, the greatest hurt you probably have experienced came from your dad. Whether he abandoned you, abused you, maybe he tried to do his best, maybe he was dealing with his own issues. But I wanna, I wanna give a challenge out today because there's only one perfect father, it's God the Father. There's been no other perfect father besides him. I know I've hurt my kids. I know I haven't been the perfect father. But can I tell you the greatest gift my kids could give me? It's mercy. It's not a tie, it's not socks. It's not a meal. It's mercy and grace. To say, Dad, I know, you've, I know you're trying. I wonder what it would be like for us to maybe put in a call or a text message. And if your dad is still here, say, Dad, I just want you to know. I just want you to know I love you. Say, Pastor Josh, there's no way I can do that. You don't know what this man's done to me. Yeah, but I know what we did to Jesus. And I know what he did for me, even though I did it to him. I wonder if maybe the greatest gift we could give our fathers this Father's Day is the gift of grace and mercy. So dad, I know you weren't the perfect dad. I know you did a lot, but I just want you to know. And maybe if your dad's not here anymore, you don't have any more contact with him. Uh, maybe he's passed or whatever, he's, he's, he's not in your life at all and you have no way. Maybe this is just a, a time between you and the Lord just to express that. But I can't think of a better gift to give our fathers is that gift. And it may not restore anything, but that's not your responsibility. Obedience is yours. So I wanna challenge us, and challenge us um, to hear these words, to live these words. And then beyond fathers, there's some of you that are in here right now, and you've got issues with maybe someone in this room. They may be a family member, they may be a friend. But if you're honest, you've been harboring some stuff in your heart. And the Lord is challenging us, drop it, go and be reconciled. Make it right, make it right, own your part. Pastor Josh, I don't know if I can do this. You're right, you can, but the spirit of God living inside of you can. And if we will respond to his spirit, if we'll respond to his spirit, Father, we love you, and we thank you today that you are the greatest father. You're the greatest father. 
that, Lord, when we've been rebellious, when we've been doing our own thing, you were slow to anger. You pursued us. You loved us. You forgave us before we even had the moment to even ask for forgiveness. But you came and you gave us grace. So, Lord, I pray that you would clothe us with your mercy, with your grace. Thank you that all that we need, you've already given us. But I pray that we wouldn't be people that respond as the world responds and we would just react in the moment and let our emotions rule the day. But God, we would allow your word and your spirit to lead the way in our lives. So God, we take this this message and we, we don't take it lightly. Would you search us? Would you search us? There may be fathers that are in this room right now and maybe you're even watching online and and maybe there's some things that you've done and, and you need to go initiate the apology. What a gift on Father's Day that you can give maybe to your children or to your wife or to an ex-wife or to whoever those around you. Women that are in this room that maybe you've had issues with another woman. What a, what a gift to have a moment just to go and seek reconciliation. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we submit our lives to you. If you're here in this room and you've never submitted your life to Jesus, you've never allowed him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, today is the perfect day. What an incredible opportunity to just say, God, I I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you all of me. The Bible says that if we will recognize what Jesus has done on the cross, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here in this room and you've never made that prayer, you've never postured yourself there to say, God, I believe in you, I put my, I I give you everything. The Bible calls that being born again. Give our life to him fully. The Bible says he'll come and he'll take this stony heart that we have and he'll replace it with a new heart. That those who are in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. If you're here in this place and you've never prayed that prayer, you've never dedicated your life to be born again and give it, I, I wanna pray for you in this place. And if that's you on the count of three, I want you just to shoot your hand up so I know who I'm praying for. If that's you, one, two, three. If that's you all across this room, Come on, hands going up all over. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, keep your hands up right there where you are. There's no reason to be ashamed in this moment. This is the greatest day of your life. So fully surrender to the Lord and say, God, you come. You be my Lord. You be my Savior. Be my everything. He is your Father. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. The Father right now with hands raised. God, I pray over every single one of these people. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're drawing them to yourself. Such a good Father that you're drawing us to yourself today. So we recognize today, Lord, our deep need for you. We are spiritually bankrupt without you. God, we recognize, Lord, that that you paid the payment that was needed for us on that cross. Lord, you lived a life we couldn't live. You died a death that we should have taken. Lord, you paid for hell so we'd never have to go. Lord, you made relationship with, with our Father right because of what you've done. Thank you for the gift of what you paid for us. Now today, we surrender our life to you. We submit our life to you, God. We, you come and be the Lord and the Father and the Savior of our lives. Lord, replace this stony heart. 
with a heart that is of spirit that is living on the inside that desires nothing but you today. So we turn from our sin and self and we turn to you today. And we give you all of our life in Jesus' name. You can put your hands down and I want you, if you're here in this room and you say, Pastor Josh, I know I need to go have some conversation. I know I need to go make some things right. Would you just shoot your hands up all across this place? Come on, if that's you, hands going up all over the place. Come on, this is our moment, y'all. This is the greatest moment of this message right here where we get to respond to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. Would you just raise both hands just right there where you are? And I just wanna pray over you that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God would fill you. Father, would you come, Holy Spirit, come and, and, and fill your people today, Lord, as they, they go and make things right. Lord, as they go and own their part, as they go and seek to reconcile. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for miracle moments, miracle moments that relationships that look like they would never be repaired ever again, God, that you would reconcile and heal and forgive, and God, that your kingdom would have a win today, would have a win this week. Lord, as we submit ourselves to what you're calling us to do, Lord, let us be led by the Spirit. Let us walk in humility. Lord, let us walk in humility. Clothe us with humility today as we go into these conversations and text messages. Lord, I pray your blessings over these people today in Jesus' name. And everyone said.